0: You're listening to a podcast from Billingshurst Family Church, a radical church family in Billingshurst and beyond. For more information and media content, please visit www.b-f-c.org.uk or connect with us on Facebook. It's hard for us, isn't it? To... Ooh, me. It's hard for us to reconcile some of the things we see going on around us The difficulties, the trials, the struggles. And not to make a twee little point of it, but God is good. All the time. Yeah, God is good all the time. In the dark places, in the light places, God is good. And we just have to hold on to that. We are starting a new sermon series. And um, we are, it's called Kingdom uh, Family Values, BFC Family Values. And uh, it's a relatively short series, only five or six preaches long. It's going to be spread over the next term. Um, and it's looking at what, uh, what makes us BFC, what makes us Billingshurst Family Church. Um, and obviously this is rooted in the Bible, in scripture, and it's also a part of me as well, part of me and Neil in, in our... Uh, what we're looking ahead to as a church, um, some sort of things that I see us doing. And um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited by this series where I get to sort of give you my heart and bring God's word into it. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So let's pray. And then we'll, um, then we'll start. Lord God, I thank you that you speak to us. You speak to us. We open, open the word. Open the Bible, Lord, and you speak to us through that. I thank you, Lord, that you meet with us when we come to you in prayer. That you draw near to us, Lord, as as we draw near to you. So, Lord, I pray that even now, Lord God, as we're exploring your word, exploring your heart for us as a church, that you draw near to us that by the Holy Spirit, you'd be speaking to us this morning, challenging us, encouraging us, Lord, that we might be your people in Billingshurst, Lord. We might be truly following what it is you're calling us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Friday, Friday this week, I had a day off, and I went to the cinema to watch the latest Endgame in the Marvel film series. Uh, Marvel Universe, I spent three and a half hours of my life in a chair watching this film. And um, I have worked out one one way I could clear quite a few people out of this hall would be to bring some spoilers and say what's happened. And I'm not going to do that because that wouldn't be uh, a nice thing to do. But what I will say, though, is that Whether it's the latest Marvel film or any of the preceding ones, the true Marvel fan knows that the beauty of the single film is only appreciated through the lens of what is discovered in every preceding film, every film that's gone before that. And how we get to this latest point in the series, it all collects up to this one moment. And how we get there really matters. Because if you watch it, and you've never seen any preceding films, a lot of it doesn't, might not make sense. Um, but if you know everything that's gone before, you can really appreciate the story of this film. And so that's what we're doing in this, in this series, and in this morning, is we're looking at what has gone before. We're going to look at the key values that we are going to hold as a church Um, And we're going to dig into those as the weeks go on. But today we look at our history, our foundations as a church. We're going to look at the gospel. It's always good to remind ourselves of the gospel. And we're going to look at the history that we're founded upon. Um, A guy called John Groves, who used to be a lead elder at a church in Winchester. Um, Really good guy. He's been here before. Um, But I heard a preach of his not long ago. And he spoke about history. He was a history teacher, spoke about history. And he said, if you break history up, you actually got his story. Which I think is a really nice picture, because that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at the story of what God has been doing through his people, through the generations. How things have changed and developed. Um, So that's what we're going to do now. We're going to look at how we fit into history, into his story. So we go all the way back, all the way back to Eden. And... um, God created everything. He created us so that we might worship him, we might glorify him. He created us that we might have relationship with him, not that he needed friends. He didn't need community, he didn't need any other relationship, he was fully contained within himself. His God is in three parts, his Father, Son, Holy Spirit, parts is even a bad word to use. But he is Trinity, he had relationship within himself, but he created us to have relationship with him. He wanted to create someone in his own image, that they may glorify him and look after his good creation. Genesis 1, verse 27 and 28 says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In our original created form, We were charged. We were given a job to do. We were given the job to look after everything, to bring order and care. We were supposed to make mini versions of ourselves. I think that's a fair reading of the word fruitful. Um, And fill the world with the image of God so that it would bring glory to God. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. God put Adam into the garden of Eden to look after it, to care for it. That we were to have uh, dominion over all the creatures and all the plants and everything else. were, We're there to care for it. It's a bit of a side note, really, but actually the way we look after this world matters. The things we do now... Matter. So things we can do are worth doing because God has charged us to look after this world. So Adam went to the garden to care for it, but God gave Adam freedom. Give him complete freedom. So this is what you've got to do. One thing, don't eat of that tree. Okay, freedom isn't really freedom. If if it's completely unrestricted. True freedom to love God is to have the opportunity not to. Because otherwise we're forced to do it. So we have the opportunity to love God, but to have that opportunity, we also have to have the opportunity not to. So God gave us that. And the Bible tells us that God enjoyed walking in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. He enjoyed their fellowship. God loves fellowship with man. God enjoys seeing himself in us, and he knows it's good for us to be in fellowship with him as we were intended to be. So all was good. But we know what happened next, don't we? Yeah, we know what happened next. We had freedom, we could do what we wanted. Just that one thing, don't do that because it's not good for you. Um, And so obviously us being human and... Being tripped up by the enemy, we go and do the one thing we're not supposed to do. They eat of the forbidden tree, and with us being in them, we choose too to walk away from freedom in our relationship to God, and walk into slavery to sin. And because of that, God separated us from Him. They put He put man out of the garden. It's going to make the work much harder to do. There's a curse on the earth. But God promises a saviour. He knew this would happen. So even before creation, he resolved to have a plan in place to restore our relationship with himself, to make fellowship with God possible again. So we know in Genesis, God speaks about, the Bible speaks about how um, there would be one who would come, would crush the head of the serpent. Okay, there was a plan in place. And so we look through history. You know, Adam and Eve get cast out and they have kids and they kill each other and, you know, it's not good. And but God promised a saviour. God promised he would do something. And then, so we look through biblical history. We look through all these Old Testament characters like Noah. You know, God acted and, and he promised Noah, you know, I won't do it like that again. You know, Go on, be fruitful, go multiply again. Um, we look at Abraham okay the man who heard God speak to him and was like okay yeah I'll go I'll, I'll, I'll leave my comfortable life here and I'll go I'll do what you're calling me to and God made promises to Abraham he said you know I'm gonna bless you you're gonna have so many descendants and Abraham's there like what well, I'm so old I can't have kids what are you talking about and he's like no you're gonna have so many descendants they so so many descendants and he's like okay God okay okay cool um, and then we know how that plays out. We've got his son, Isaac, who Abraham takes up to go sacrifice him on the mountain. And then this ram head, ram's there, and he sacrificed instead. God provided, which was great. Um, and Isaac g- goes on and points on to what Jesus was lo- would be like, what this Messiah would be like. The one who would la- la- willingly lay his own life down. Um, we've got Jacob and, and his brother Esau and how everything worked out there. Um, Moses, later on we've got Moses who goes and he rescues the people out of Egypt. He takes them out of Egypt and they, they get, head off to the promised land where they're going to go. Um, there's a salvation moment, a redemption moment in Moses. And Joshua, the, the one who takes the, the tribe of Israel, there's probably around half a million people or so going across the Jordan into the promised land. They get this gift that God's given them. He said, oh, God, this is... God says, this is for you, this is your land. And they get there, and it's like, oh yeah, there's loads of people here already. We've got to fight for it. God's promised it, we've got to fight for it. And so all these leaders point to this coming Messiah, this Christ, who is going to come, who's going to sort everything out. And we obviously know the end of the story, with it just being after Easter, that Jesus would be that one. You know, we've also got like, other people like Samuel, you know, people who'd listen to God, who'd hear his voice and act, do what he, they're told. David is this wonderful picture of this Messiah-type character, this Christ-like character, who points to God, who has relationship with God, paints a picture of what things can be like. And even onto Solomon, Solomon as he built the temple, um, all these pictures of Christ. And all these men that I've mentioned, they all failed, they're all failures, they all got it wrong, but God was good and came through. They're still needing, though, the perfect Messiah. So these guys were all pointing to the Saviour that would restore relationship with God, that things might no longer be fallen in the end. And instead of eternity away from God, following the, ju- the judgment, out of God's love, Jesus made a way so that we wouldn't have to be put out of relationship, be out of relationship with God due to the fall and due to our sin. Jesus did that work for us on the cross so that we didn't have to. You know, we've just celebrated um, Jesus' death and resurrection. Here's a brief reminder of the problem and the solution. Jesus died on the cross and rose again, which completely addressed our need and reconciles us to God. We've all we all sin. We all get things wrong. And before Jesus, the problem for sinners was this: you know, we deserve to die. So our first, we jump ahead, Mark. Thank you. One with a list on it. There we go. So because of the fall, number one. We deserve to die as a penalty for sin. That's what we deserve. Everything we've done wrong, every way that we turn away from God means that we deserve to die. Second one is we deserve to bear God's wrath against sin. God's holy right wrath against sin is ours to bear, should be ours to bear. Thirdly, our sin separates us from God. You know, when we get things wrong, you know, and we're, we're separated from God. And fourthly, you know, our sin, our distance from God means that we're in bondage to sin and to the kingdom of Satan. You know, well, pretty naff picture, really, isn't it? It's not a great picture of what the way things are. But we know Jesus came and Jesus met all of these problems he fi- he made a way to deal with all of them at the cross so firstly we deserve to die as a penalty for sin well Jesus paid the death penalty he went to the cross he died in our place next one one of those annoying words propitiation propitiation Means that Jesus, in dying on the cross, removed us from the effects of God's wrath. So he he took that all on him. He took the wrath of God on him that we might have freedom. Thirdly, deal with our separation from God. We have reconciliation, we have fellowship with God through the cross. We look at what Jesus has done, and it restores that relationship between us and God. And finally, to do with the bondage that we have to sin and to the kingdom of Satan, we have redemption. We're freed from that. We are no longer slaves to sin. We no longer have to be, because He's won that for us. You know, we are now transferred from the kingdom of darkness. If we, if we know Jesus, we come and accept what he's done. As we said last week, Romans 10 verse 9 says, you know, if confess of your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Yeah? When we have that, we are taken from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. We are now dead to sin and alive in Christ. Not under law any longer, but under grace. Freed from the power of sin. At the cross, Christ wins for us freedom. He redeems us. Sets us free. And it's all a gift of God. None of it our doing. It's all his work. When we look at this story of Jesus going to the cross and dying and being resurrected, showing the power of the Holy Spirit of God, in that moment, we see the act of God. We see God's hand at work, the power of God at work. We see the love of our creator who desires that we might be saved. I haven't written it down, but we all know John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, He sent his one only Son, that whoever should believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the love of God at work. When we look at the cross, we see the action of God in the lives of man. God, you know, people ask, Why did well, what's God done? What's God done? He's done nothing. Well, no, 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 but he has. He's stepped in, he's acted, he's done it. He's done the work. He's acted in our lives through Jesus Christ on the cross. On our behalf, on the behalf of humankind, we see no action in salvation other than sin and failure. All we bring to the table is dirt and rubbish. But from God, we see the grace gift of salvation. We see God's mercy and his grace poured out for us. We have a gift that we don't deserve, but God gives it to us at no cost to us through Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we have a wonderful message. We have a wonderful gospel that probably brought most of us here today that knowledge of that gospel, knowledge of what God has done for us. And so all that was worked out on that first Easter Sunday. Um, But the early church had to figure these things out. You know, they saw what happened, and they're there wondering what's going to happen. How are we going to do this? What, What are we going to do? And they worked out that it wasn't their action. It wasn't their work that granted them salvation. It was all God's work through Jesus on the cross. It was entirely a gift of God, his grace gift to humanity. That people can be saved. The law which God gave, but pointed out sin, empowered sin, was completed in Jesus and by Jesus. He was the perfect man in an imperfect, fallen world. And the early church were given a mission. You know, we know Jesus was resurrected, and we know he ascended afterwards. And in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, really famous verse again. Jesus said to them, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded to you, commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age." And the early church started out on this journey. They're like, "Okay, God. Okay, Jesus. Yeah, okay, we'll do that. Uh, uh, now what? How are we going to do that? What are we going to do? How does this apply to us?" You know, Jesus goes to the Jews first, um, and they're trying to work out, well, okay, what does this mean for us? What rules do we have to get rid of? What rules don't we have to follow? What rules do we have to keep? And then they discover that the, the non-Jewish people, it's accessible to them as well, these Gentiles, these people who haven't grown up knowing the law, knowing the Lord. Um, so how, how, how does what Jesus has done relate to them? But you know what, they, they worked it out. I'm not going to go into detail on it today, but they worked it out, and they went and they told. They went and they told. They went and they told. They kept going out. You know, when we read in the book of Acts of how this miraculous growth in the church, you know, like 3,000 added this day, 5,000 added here, and so on. Um, all through the book of Acts, we read about what they did, what God did through them. We also read about all the suffering and all the trials that they faced. They realised the power of the gospel. They realised what God had done and they went and acted on it. They told everyone about it. It's too big to keep to ourselves. We've got to tell other people about this good news. So what about BFC then? What about here? Where's our 3,000 added via random bloke preaching on the street? hasn't happened yet but you know just because we haven't seen that doesn't mean we're not of the same kind you know as a church we we trace our lineage back to those very first disciples by the same faith and belief that they held as the same that we hold today we share the same faith as they did Nick was leading the prayer meeting this morning about expectation. You know what do we expect when we turn up on Sunday? Do we expect a nice sing song and a nice comforting word from the person at the front um, and then maybe someone will pray for more blessing in my life and and we 'll go away and the money will roll in this week and i won 't be wonderful. Um, someone will pop round and bring me flowers and Oh, it's great, isn't it? I don't think that's what I expect from church. What I expect is to come in and find a community devoted to God. A community that's seeking his will, seeking him in prayer, earnestly, not just a nice little Yeah, Lord God, we pray that you'd bless us this morning. Um, No, no. God, we want to see your power. We want to see you working. We want to see you changing people's lives. We want to see your hand at work in our midst. We want to see you healing people. We want to see you setting people free, Lord. That's what we want. That's what we want to see. I want to see that desire here every week. I want to see that desire here in our prayer meetings. To coming to BFC, you know I want whoever stands up here. You know I, I get up here and I preach and I challenge myself all week, the week before, about what I'm saying, and I challenge myself when I'm up here saying it. I want all of the people who get up here to preach at BSC to be challenging, to make me think: Am I, am I really doing what God's calling me to do right now? I know there's that one thing I shouldn't do, but I keep doing it. But I, maybe that's okay. I'll just leave that over that. actually I want I want to come in and be challenged. I want to be challenged by God's words. I want it to be something that is hard for me to hear sometimes. Our worship, you know, we're going to look at these things more in the coming weeks, but our worship, you know what, well, I want to be caught up in what God's doing in this room. Amongst us. I know Rachel's got a fantastic vision for worship at BFC. But actually so much of it comes down to me, and as much as when I walk in, What am I hoping God's going to do? What am I dreaming that he's going to do in that moment? Do I come in and expect to be given and given and given and I just take, take, take? Or do I engage in worship? Do I press in and grab hold of what God's got for us? We want the blessings and the miraculous and the presence of God in our meetings as we read of in Acts the other thing we read of in Acts is persecution. Suffering. You know, and I don't think you get one without the other. I think sometimes we're going to get suffering. Sometimes we're going to have moments of wonderful pressing into God and his his presence here intangible in our midst. But sometimes there's going to be really hard times as well. And as a church, we, we should carry one another through that. As a church... You know, we were planted as a New Frontiers church, okay? And that's not something we talk about very much these days as a church, but, you know, we're a a New Frontiers church, okay? So for the past 40, 50 and onwards years, um, there's been a movement of God across the nations um, that's been following the leading of the Spirit of God. We're part of that. We were planted out of prophecies and prayer and and, and all stuff like that. There are people in this room who were present when we were doing that, you know, I wasn't. I was still in school. Um, <laughs> not saying anything about age. Um, but, you know, we were planted as a New Frontiers church. We are planted as a continuation of seeing the work of the Spirit through the generations. Okay? So, through the generations, we see, we see what happened in Acts. And actually, if we look back, and we can trace ourselves back to that same group of believers who were with Jesus when He ascended, who were given that job to do—to go into all the nations and make deci- all the nations and make disciples of all peoples. We have that same commission today. We're part, we are part of movements of churches, and likewise, in commission, you know, family of churches that we are a part of. You know, they want to see commission as a group of people, as a group of leaders, wants to see people reach with the gospel. That's why we do this. That's why I'm up here, because I want to see people reach with the gospel. And what commission encourage is people reaching out, but not just individually, but through the local church. These aren't people who fly in with some wonderful gift and impart something to us, and then wonderfully people will come in through the doors. No, what what happens is they come in and they, they help us and talk to us and encourage us. So that we can do the work that God's given us to do, He's given us Billingshurst. You know, this is our our bit to look after, um, and God wants to use us as a church to reach this community, just like they did in Acts. You know, as a church, we have a heritage. You know, we have people who have gone before us, which means we can look back knowing what has happened, what's gone before, all the trials, all the tribulations, all the blessing. We can be secure in that because we know that happened. But that also means we can look forward, we can look ahead at the work that God has set us to do. He's set us this this job to reach Billingshurst. But not just Billingshurst, but the lives of anyone that we interact with, that we touch day to day. God also to see us reach them with the gospel of Jesus, reach out to them with the gospel of Jesus, whether that's the way we live our lives or verbally. It's like, actually, you know what? Jesus came and he, he died because there was a problem, and he came and he died, and he was resurrected, and it fixed it. All you have to do is know him. Um, simplest message in the world in so many ways. And that's the sort of church I want us to be, the sort that wants to in- help people to encounter Jesus, to just tell them, About him. You know, BFC, I've said it before from up here, but we will always do our utmost as a church, all of us as a church will do our utmost to preach the gospel. That's what I want to see. I want to see us all doing the utmost to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that will be, you know, me up here, or Neil or Nick, or whoever up here, preaching the word of God, preaching the Bible, preaching what God's, you know, we believe God's giving us. And we'll preach it from up here. We'll preach it at our events like Easter and Christmas. But in so many ways, and so much more importantly, we preach the gospel in the way that we exist through the lives of each of us who calls BFC home. All of us know the gospel. If we're Christians here today, we know the gospel. All of us, therefore, are equipped to share the gospel with those around us. And that can be the most awkward thing in the world, you know, and sometimes we hide behind just the doing. The way I live my life will be ample. Um, and that is important. The way you live your life really matters. Um, the way I live my life really matters. But actually sometimes just being open with people and honest. Showing them how, how your life le- lives. You live your life and what God has done. And actually saying, you know what? Well, it's all because of Jesus that this happens. Just those little things. Um, you know, I want to see us as a church. Preaching the gospel wherever we are. If we work in Hayward Tea, or we work in, in Billingshurst, I want to see us preaching the gospel in those places. And that's really hard because it means that each of us have to do something. It means we have to um, speak the truth. Speak it in love. Speak the truth in love. Tell people of God's goodness and His grace. And we should be doing that to our neighbours, we should be doing that to our friends. But as importantly, we should be doing it here. You know, we should be coming alongside one another. You know, when when one of us is struggling, it's like, you know, God loves you. He really does. He really cares for you. He wants to see you set free from this. When one of us slips up, gets something wrong. You know, it comes from a place of love for them. Wanting to see them set free from what it is that's causing the problem. As a church, we should be speaking the truth in love to one another. And that's not an excuse to go and have a go at someone. Because um, that's not loving. Speak the truth has to be in love. Yeah, BFC, is, is in the coming years, is going to be characterized by being a community of love. A community that actually loves one another. And loves this village. Now I'm not talking about that romantic fluffy love. You know the sort of love that. You know I don't know. I'll speak from from my experience. You know as a a younger guy. um, You know those sort of. uh, Emotional letters you might write to your girlfriend. Oh I love you so much. One day I hope we can have a puppy. (laughs) I've managed that one. Um, But. It's not that romantic, fluffy love that lasts for a fleeting moment. You know, the sort of emotional, fluffy thing that (laughs) means that so many relationships break down because they're built on that, oh, happy, fluffy love that we feel. Um, Real love is that that acts, that does. Um, It's enacted. Love that isn't just when we feel like it, but at all times, even when we don't feel like it. Real love is when you don't feel like it, to actually go, no, okay, I'm going to do this anyway. I want to see BFC being a community that shows love is that which acts. So when we, when our friends are struggling, you know, what we put things down, we go and pray for them. And we come in here on a, on a Sunday, you know, we offer, offer to get someone a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, so that we can actually sit down and talk to them. Not just get on with the, the stuff, you know, and I'm just, just here to pray, and I'm just here to worship, pray, um, hear the words, and I'm going home. Actually, we love each other. We get to know each other. We listen to each other. We don't just go off and storm ahead and do our own thing. We listen, we talk, we communicate. We're a family. Aren't we? So we should all be painting this picture of what's the perfect family like? What will the perfect family be like? Well, That's exactly what this place should be like. That's what we're heading for. We're heading to be a family who does things together, reaches out together, uh, encourages one another to do the things, the, the individual things as well, but a place where we love each other, correct each other, challenge each other, all through love. You know, if a, if a loving God did all he could to reconcile us to him, the best way we can share his love is to lovingly go into the world and tell people about his love. Billingshurst Family Church should be a church of love. Well, what does that look like? Well, it means BFC is not a place for holding resentment. It's not a place for gossiping. It's not a place for petty squabbles. Instead, it means that BFC is a place where we, we treat one another with love. We treat each other with dignity. It means that BFC is a place where we're all in for sharing the gospel of grace we're all in for being a community that loves one another. A community that shows God's grace in the way we relate to one another. And it means that you know, love is that which acts. Okay? Love that acts is costly. All right? It means we're willing to sacrifice things in our lives. Whatever that may be, we're willing to sacrifice for the sake of sharing the gospel with those outside it means the willingness to sacrifice for the church family. It means, you know, picking the phone up when you hear something's happened and say, Oh, can I come and pray? Yeah. You know, act action, doing something. You know, even if it is inconvenient, we should do it because it matters, because this is our family. So we are a church built on good foundations, We're a church who looks back to Acts and sees what happened there, and we hope to see the same thing here. And we want to see people reach for the gospel, don't we? No? <laughs> we want to see people reach for the gospel, don't we? Yes. We want to see people set free, don't we? we want to know the love of God in this place, don't we? We want to see that worked out, don't we? How are you going to do it? You know, maybe the preaching the gospel's got to you. This idea of going into this community and preaching the gospel. Maybe that's grabbed you. Maybe that's gone, oh, that's what I'm really behind really want to see us reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. Maybe that's exciting for you to share that. Well, maybe you're an evangelist then. Maybe that's what you are. I'm doing this in the wrong order, but maybe you're an evangelist. If that gets you, if that grabs you, to go and share the gospel, to go and tell people what Jesus has done, maybe you're an evangelist. Maybe you've not considered that before, but maybe you are. So I want to encourage you. We're going to stop in a minute. We're going to expand to come up now. That'd be great. Um, but I want to encourage you. Maybe you're an evangelist. Maybe it's time to get prayer, to see this gift grow and flourish, to pray for this gift. And maybe, you know, on the, on the other side of things, you just think, oh, this can't be possible. This can't happen. You know, it's never going to be, never going to be perfect, never going to be right. Never. It's always, we're always going to be let down. Uh, I'll ask then is pray. Get prayer for faith. Ask God to give you faith. And maybe you're struck with the realization that actually we can't do it. But you have faith in a God who can. So pray that he would make this possible for us at BFC. So what we're going to do We've got these three points up here. Maybe you fit into one of them. We're going to worship. We're going to sing of God's love for us and what he's done. Um, and then after that, we're going to pray. And we might have some um, might have some quiet, some awkwardness. But we're going to pray uh, for one another. If you want to pray with someone, and you don't know anyone here, grab someone with a blue badge, a blue ministry team badge. Um... Or come and grab me. If you know someone, pray with them. We're a church founded uh, on prayer. This church exists because people are praying. Um, and uh, I think it's important that we end in prayer. So let me pray and then we'll worship. Lord God, I thank you that you have given us a job to do. You've given us a patch that is ours to reach with the gospel. Lord, none of these areas in Billingshurst or around the area, Lord, are off limits to us. So Lord, I pray that you would be equipping us and empowering us to do the work that you've given us to do. And part of that work is learning what it is to be a community of love that loves one another and loves this village. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us a renewed love for this church, a renewed love for the gospel, that you'd equip us in our worship, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank <laughs> you.